Good morning, everyone. So my friends, last night I gave a homily about preaching and about homilies. And I'm not really sure how well it went over. <laughs> so I'm going to switch gears uh, for this morning. And uh, thank you. Um, my friends, our first reading uh, tells of the call and commissioning of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, uh, if you read the, all of the chapter, you would find that he didn't want to be a prophet. Um, he had an idea of how they were treated in the world. And uh, uh, in fact, he was overburdened or overwhelmed by the burden of the responsibility of being, if you will, the mouse, mouthpiece for God. He had to go and, and uh, my friends, he stands out as a lonely figure, if you will, whose mission seemed to have failed because he was preaching to the people about God, and they basically didn't like what he had to say, and they threw him in the sewer. Uh, the scripture has it very nice. They say they threw him in a well <laughs> that was muddy. You have a pretty good idea what that means. example of how people can treat God's words and the person that is sent. Until Jesus of Nazareth, uh, he stood out as one of the ones that were really just got a beating. But um, with Jesus of Nazareth, we can see what appears to be failure is triumph. Look behind me. The world thought that was failure on the part of the prophet, the great one, the son of God. And yet from that uh, came salvation for all. Only through that comes salvation to all. In the second reading, St. Paul is addressing a problem in the Corinthness. They were bickering and fighting amongst each other, uh, about the different gifts and charisms. They were being selfish. And um, he stresses to them the importance of love and uh, what type of love, not just any type of love. It was what we know as hased or agape. And, uh, and he says, without love, all these other gifts and charisms ultimately will be rendered useless. And um, my friends, uh, uh, the thing about this chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, particularly when we read, um, remember last week, Paul uh, was talking about all the different pieces of the, the body that come together to work together. And uh, this is the continuation of that. And he's chastising them. He's not preaching. He's, he's actually chastising them. And uh, this is one of the most uh, favored of all the readings amongst engaged couples. When we ask them to pick a reading, they pick this. And I've learned in my 13 years as a priest now just to be quiet when they do it because I used to point out, do you know that reading? Yes, Father, it's about love. <laughs> I said, yeah, but do you know the context in which this was written? Yes, it's about love. I'm like, no, St. Paul is chastising a community that's fighting with each other. And they're bickering and they're being selfish. And this isn't really about spousal love. He is talking about a particular type of love. It's not, not uh, but that's not what he wrote. He was talking about, he was trying to get, this is about a community that's trying to be the body of Christ, trying to come together, and they're fighting. And the couple typically would look at me and say, okay then, and so this reading then? <laughs> Okay, this reading then, um, certainly, because um, it certainly could be about that, because that type of love is self-sacrificing. It has not selfishness within it. 
And my friends, when we look at St. Paul's reading, and he begins to talk about this, this is the very type of love that Jesus was talking about. He came to serve and to sacrifice and to love others. That's why he came. So St. Paul is saying, if you don't do this, it's funny when he says, if you don't have this, you sound like a symbol clashing. It means you're all noise and irritated. But for the other... You've been given this gift of prophecy for the others. You've been given this gift of healing for the others. Well, they didn't like what he had to say, <laughs> but they would listen to him. My friends, uh, in our gospel reading, this is a continuation of last week's reading. Remember I told you Jesus read the scriptures and then he began to talk about it. And it was a very long preaching session for them. This is the continuation of it. And um, we see the reaction to Jesus' preaching uh, given in the synagogue of his hometown, Nazareth. The people can't believe that the words of Isaiah that Jesus had read would be applied to him because he's the son of a carpenter, Joseph. On hearing Jesus say, you know what? The benefits that God had given to the Israelites will now be given to the Gentiles. As we're told, they were furious now with him. And they wanted to do away with him. This foreshadows the ultimate fate of Jesus. I believe in this account of Luke, uh, Luke was being a little bit more on the dramatic side. Um, I don't think, certainly they were going to put him on a cross on that day. Um, Perhaps they weren't going to stone him, but they certainly want to throw him out of the synagogue and get him out of their city. But his hour had not yet come, so he passed through their midst unharmed. In today's gospel, despite their initial admiration for Jesus' words, Jesus senses their deep-rooted, underlying lack of faith and compares them unfavorably this time to the contemporaries of the early prophets Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> and due to the dismal lack of faith among the Jews of their time, these two great prophets would work no miracle in Israel, but only among the hated Gentiles. In the midst of widespread famine, Elijah was sent to a pagan widow in Zarephath, where he assured her of food to last her through the famine, and he raised her son from the dead. Well, God did through him. First Kings 17, 7 through 24. Later, a Jewish slave girl directed her pagan master, Naaman, to Elisha, who then cured the commander of the Syrian. And the Israelis were not friends with Syrians, but cured the um, commander of the Syrian army of his leprosy. Second Kings 5. 1 through 15. The uncomplimentary comparison to despise foreigners who did not adhere to the Mosaic law and who most Jews regarded as nothing more than animals, no doubt irked them. And it drove a wedge between them and Jesus. And it wasn't that he didn't care what they thought. But it was the truth. 
and he didn't allow what they felt about him to get in the way. And like Elijah and Elisha, Jesus could do no miracle amongst his townspeople because of their lack of faith. Those townspeople, uh, if you read the, chap uh, the paragraph or two before, they had demanded from Jesus, do for us what you did in those other towns. Perform for us. Luke's reported conclusion to the brief episode in today's gospel did, in fact, transpire over time. However, Jesus manifests distress at his countrymen's lack of faith and his increasing openness and favorable attention to foreigners continue to make the people angry and served as salt in an open wound. When the Jewish religious leaders could no longer stomach Jesus's pointed criticisms of their conduct, and rightly so, they were misbehaving, especially their hypocrisy. They created exaggerated charges of capital crime against Jesus of Nazareth before Pilate. It was relatively easy for them to do, to stir up their supporters, uh, appealing to their baser elements, their anger, their jealousy, to move against Jesus. We see the end result when Pilate asked the crowd standing outside the praetorium. He said, who should I give clemency to? Who should I release? Barabbas? or this king of the Jews? The crowds cry out for Barabbas. And when Pilate asked what he should do with Jesus, they called for his blood. Crucify him now. Matthew 27, 11 through 26. They wanted this because of the very things that Paul was describing that was not so good with the Corinth community, your jealousy and your bickering and your arguing, your, your envy, your lack of unity, your less care of others. And Jesus had already pointed out to them, you shall love the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your heart. And you're good? No. And that's all? No. And you shall love others. And then, before he would leave this earth, he would say, not like yourself, but the way I have loved, shall you do. Do something. <laughs> Remember the question, what does love ask of me in this situation? What does love ask me to do, not think, but to do? My friends, as you reflect on today's gospel account, remember Luke's point of this passage that Jesus came to save his own people, but they tragically refused to accept him because of the things he said and did, which were good and kind and loving and were the truth. They refused to accept him because he was just the son 
of a carpenter. Notice, thank God that in fact he did send his only begotten son into this world among us, one like us in all things but sin, that he might show us by word and by example how we are to be God's people, how we are to be the body of Christ on this earth. And let us pray that each of us follow the example and respond to God's love with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our beings. That felt pretty safe <laughs> compared to yes, yesterday's homily. <laughs> My friends, <clears throat> this week, uh, beginning with this weekend, we pray and more intensely for Catholic education for our principals, administrators, our teachers, uh, all the aides that help out, all of our students. And my friends, for us, um, Catholic education forms disciples, meaning it forms uh, the little ones and the teenagers uh, in mind, body, and spirit, prepares them. And last night I said, prepares them for what? To take over the world so that you and I can retire in peace which people could just in holiness of Jesus Christ, and they will run the world. And Father can just go home and just retire. <laughs> so uh, to all of our, our teachers, thank you. To our students who study hard, thank you. And uh, my friends, um, all week long there will be different events. And uh, uh, if you'd like to, con to continue, if you will, because we, we do, we'd like to continue to support uh, the Ministry of Education here at St. Nicholas. Of course, we have a K through eight to support with our prayers. Uh, but uh, if you want to financially support our school and its Ministry of Education, please think about that. Uh, absolutely. So to the engaged couples, maybe not Chapter Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother, my brothers and sisters, um, Jeremiah. Uh, if you don't know the uh, he. One of the things that got him into the well was um, Babylonians were coming to destroy their town and the prophet was sent to them and said, don't pick up your weapons, lay them down, it'll be okay, trust God. <laughs> they didn't like it, so they threw him in the well. <laughs> Jesus came and said, God loves you and to love others and to be kind and to walk in ways of goodness and holiness and they didn't like it, what he preached, so they put him on the cross. We preachers and homeless hope also that when we preach, what Jesus tried to elicit was change in your heart. We preachers also hope that too when we preach to you. And uh, don't throw me in the harbor <laughs> if you don't like what I say, amen. Okay.